Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Harabedian, recorded live. How many of you were here last week? We talked about spiritual gifts in 3D. Spiritual gifts in 3D discover, distinguish, and then deploy your spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now brethren, that includes sistren, <laughs> all of us, now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you to be ignorant. So look to your neighbor and say, Time not to be ignorant. Get educated. Tonight. Put your hearing aids on. Spiritually. Okay. So here's what happens in Hosea 4.6. The Word of God says, My people, God's people, not the world's people, not the devil's people, but God's people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. The enemy's ability to keep us defeated is directly related to his ability to keep us ignorant. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking smarter by the minute. You're looking smarter by the minute. <laughs> Amen. Holy Spirit, come equip your saints for the work of ministry that we might be fully educated, fully equipped unto every good work. Angels of God come forth and minister unto those that are heirs of salvation in this room. Deliver from lies and bondage. Set the captives free. We declare it right now. Elevate us. Elevate us to the next level. Take us down another thousand cubits in the water that flows from the sanctuary from Ezekiel 47, that we might be trees planted by the water whose fruit does not wither nor leaf fail, but we might bear fruit 12 months a year, that we might always be instant in season and out of season, always ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us by Jesus Christ. We declare the depths of revelation and the level of water begins to rise in this room. Mm. There it goes. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can just feel the atmosphere change, can't you? Mm -hmm. Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you, Jesus says, for all that ask. Receive all that seek. Find and all that knock. The door is open. That is His promise. We receive the promise we receive tonight. Holy Spirit, the engrafted Word which is able to save, sanctify, redeem, empower, transform, and seal our souls in Christ Jesus. Those in agreement said, Amen. The Apostle Paul, speaking under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words through his first century pen, dipped in lamb's blood and written on our hearts in indelible ink tonight. He said, Now, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. Mm -hmm. And then he went on. 
He said that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to every person to profit with all. It's to profit the whole body of Christ. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm here to profit you. Amen. So we are called to build up one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's the GEPC, the General Electric Power Company of the Epistles. That's how you can always remember it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 4. But we are to speak the truth in love. This is start in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. But it's time to grow up. <laughs> when I was a child, I thought as a child. I spake as a child. I understood as a child. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. But when I became an adult, I put away childish things. It's time to grow up. See, all word and no spirit causes a person to dry up. It's a letter of the law. All spirit and no word causes a person to blow up and blow off. They get weird. But a good measure of the word mixed with a good measure of the spirit causes a person to grow up in Christ. It's time to grow up that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4.15 But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into Him, into Christ, into all things, which is the head. Christ Jesus. Verse 16, from whom? From Christ. The whole body, the body of Christ, is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. The arm bone is connected to the hand bone. You see how it's connected? The leg bone connected to the thigh bone. Thigh bone connected to the hip bone. You see, it's all connected. You have your part in the body. Don't think you're insignificant. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not insignificant. Say, I need you. I need you. Praise God. We are compacted together. By which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase. Say increase. Increase, increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Love is the principal thing. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God is love. And if He lives in you and He's a giver and you're connected with Him, 
You will give of yourself unto others. You will share your gifts or Christ's empowerments or graces or what I refer to as the gracelets of God. Amen. You will connect with other people and supply. If you have a gift of healing and you see somebody walk by sick, automatically there will be something in you that will rise up. Mm -hmm. You will have compassion on them based upon the gift that is within you. If you have a helps ministry gift, mm -hmm. you have a tendency to see somebody coming through, you'll want to open the door for them. You'll want to carry back because there's a helps ministry gift within you. If you have a mentoring or a teaching gift and you see somebody struggling with something, you have a natural, or should I say a supernatural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, but you flow naturally. And when you take what you have been designed to do naturally, God will add His super to it and it will become supernatural. Amen. All right, Amen. The body of Christ jointly fit together supplying the need of others. Quick story. A friend of mine named Jeff, I won't tell you his last name. He was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He used to trade banknotes on the Hostel Highway. He ended up in federal prison. He helped pay the interest on the national debt for our nation. And when he decided to withdraw from that position on his own, um, let me just put it this way. He ended up at Harvard, where I was at. That's federal prison, by the way. And Jeff was at a ministry, and there was a well-known evangelist and her and his husband his wife were there and he was in the congregation and the pastor was ministering and they had a 15 million dollar facility in a strip mall and the pastor was up speaking and while he was speaking he was sharing on how they wanted to buy this strip mall that they were leasing and Jeff's finance gift Say finance gift. Finance. Began to kick in. And Jeff has a brilliant mind at a very high level. Very unusual level of gifting. But if you looked at Jeff, you wouldn't think he was the best Christian. Because he didn't quote Bible verses. He didn't preach on every corner. He wasn't handing out Bible tracts. He didn't even have a personality that you would really necessarily want to be around until you got to know him because he didn't let people in to his life. And while the pastor is speaking about their problem, trying to figure out a way to raise this much funds to get them through on Band-Aid finances, bootstrapping things together, God gives Jeff a download on how to handle the whole $15 million note. So while the pastor's speaking, Jeff gets out one of the tithing envelopes, or no, it was a bulletin, and he starts making notes on how to do the whole bank note, the whole nine yards. So while the pastor goes into his sermon, Jeff is still writing everything down. Why? Because he's operating in his gift. Okay. With every joint supplies. Jeff's got in his pocket, by the end of the sermon, the answer to the whole problem. 
Afterward, the pastor and his wife come down to speak to Jeff and his wife. And the pastor, not properly recognizing the gift working in Jeff, makes a comment. And he says, how did you like the message? He says, well, he says, honestly, I didn't hear the message. He said, beyond the point that you were talking about the financial matter. And the pastor, ignorant of Jeff's spiritual gift, even though he and his wife are on television around the world, made this comment. Well, maybe if you weren't taking notes on your own issues while I'm preaching and listen to the sermon, you would have known what I was talking about. And he said it kind of politely, but, you know. And Jeff said, well, maybe you don't want these notes then. And the man says, well, what are they? He says, it's an answer to your $15 million problem that's solved right here. The man instantly realized, oops. And he says, I'm so sorry, can we meet for lunch? <laughs> Jeff says, I don't have time for lunch, but I have time for breakfast in the morning. Bring your wife, and I'll bring my wife. They met, he showed him all the answer, and within one week, they owned the note on a $15 million property that they got for $5 million. Hold on. Three years later, as the balloon payment came due on that note, the pastor and his wife didn't bother to tell Jeff they were in trouble. 24 hours before they're about to lose the whole property, 15 million worth, they called Jeff on the phone. Jeff, we have a problem. He says, what's the problem? You know that bank note that you negotiated to get the property for one-third of the value? He said, yes. It's about to become due and we're in trouble. He said, well, when is it due? Tomorrow. <laughs> he said, tomorrow? He says, why didn't you call me? Well, we were standing in faith. Mm. See, there's a difference between standing in faith versus foolishness or presumption. And when you're in presumption, the, David said, Lord, hide me from presumptuous sins. What's a presumptuous sin? I'm glad you asked. A presumptuous sin is presuming God is going to do something when He hasn't or presuming that God is winking at your sin when He's not. See, sin is missing the mark. And sometimes you can miss the mark by omission Failing to do something, and in that case, it was failing to do something that they presumed upon God that He would show up without them humbling themselves and calling the very person who helped negotiate that for them. Let me tell you what He had to do. He said, you're about to lose the property. The property is now worth $15 million. The bank will take that property because they can make $10 million on it. They do not care about a Christian ministry. They care about money at the bank. He said, I will have to fly to New York and fix this. Why didn't you call me at least 72 hours ago? 
Why would you call me within 24 hours of disaster? Sometimes we need to humble ourselves and recognize the other gifts within the body of Christ. And realize it's not about our me, myself, and I unholy trinity position in the body of Christ. Come let us worship and bow down. Worship me. Worship me. We've got it all together. If it is to be, it is up to me. We've got all these statements in the body of Christ that sound spiritual. How about this? If it is to be, God show us how that we can move together in unity in the body of Christ to take the land. Because the devil loves to strike the shepherd and see the sheep scatter. Amen. That's why people fall is pride Amen. and they're not connected jointly fit together with every joint that supplies. And that's why we get in trouble. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And if you think you can do it all on your own, you're wrong. If you think you just need God, guess what? The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, Hebrews 10.25, but encourage or exhort one another even more as the day approaches, Hebrews 10.26, reading on, and it says, for we are to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together even as is the manner of some, but we're to encourage one another more as the day approaches, for if we sin willfully, after we've come unto the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, only a fearful expectation of the fiery indignation that will destroy the adversary's point. When do we start to fall? When we leave fellowship. Mm. Illustration. Have you ever started a barbecue with those coals? Those little briquettes? And you've got all those little black briquettes. And you put the little starter on them and you light it and it burns for about 60 seconds and it goes out. <laughs> Ever been there? And then you light it again and you end up putting so much fuel on all the coals that the only thing if you did get it lit that the meat would smell like would be fuel. <laughs> but then if you just light one coal and doused it and it gets lit up the fire will spread to the rest of them and you see it start to turn red right and then it starts to spread its fire now what happens is this if you take one who's got fire on the corners and you take it out with some tongs and you set it separate will it continue to burn or will it go out it depends it depends on whether or not it's fully on fire. What if you take one that's just barely lit and you put it in some cold coals? The cold coals will suck the heat out of it. None of them will get lit and the hot coal will go out. That's what happens when we are barely on fire and we leave fellowship and we go to the world, we get snuffed out. And we're just as cold as they are. You know how you can tell you're just as cold as they are? You tell the same cold jokes. Mm 
You have the same cold perspective. And if some Christian were to walk up, they wouldn't know that you were saved any more than the unbelievers would. In fact, if somebody got saved under your ministry in that condition, they'd have to backslide instantly just to get in a fellowship with you. <laughs> Forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, but encourage one another more, more and more as the day approaches. Now you can take a hot coal, someone who's really on fire for Jesus, you can put them with some cold coals, and a few of them are going to catch on fire. That's why the Bible says, Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. He was driven into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. Different passages. And he was tempted of the devil for 40 days and he ate nothing. He went on a long fast seeking the Lord. And the enemy came in three temptations. The lust of the eye, the lust of pride of life. The lust of the eye, lust of the, eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Jesus overcame the temptations. And then the devil left him for a season until a more opportune time. Luke 4.14 says this. Jesus, in verse 1 of Luke, was full of the Holy Spirit. But in Luke 4.14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit in a great fame went about of him. Why? He was filled with power. He got on fire alone with God. And then he went into all the world and signs and wonders and miracles and diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost and demons started to come out and a great fame went about him. And the Pharisees, the well-schooled people of the day said, this man is different. He doesn't speak as the scribes or the Pharisees, he speaks as one having divine authority. Are you on fire? Are you hot enough to leave the fellowship and go into the world, plunder hell and populate heaven, cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, see the miracle signs and wonders of Jesus released into the earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven? If so, get out there and do the stuff. Like the Nike commercial says, just do it. And if you're not doing the stuff, get back with the other hot coals until the fire imparts to you. You know why Jesus got up on the mountain alone with God? He had to get refilled. He had to get refired. He had to get on the charger again. And if you stay on the charger and you never go into the world, you can't get any more charge. You ever have your phone? It says, charge full, take off charger. Mine does it. Beep. I look. Fully charged. Please remove from charger. I'm like, okay, I remove it. The minute I remove it, you want to know what happens? It begins to diminish in its charge. Mm -hmm. But I can make phone calls, I can surf the internet, I can text message, I can watch videos of God's people online and get nurtured in the faith. And there comes a time, six, seven hours later, it's time to recharge. So if you think you're a one-man evangelizing band or a one-woman evangelizing band and you don't need the body of Christ, might I encourage you, respectfully, lovingly, wake up! You need me, I need you, we need each other. Amen. 
We are 100% dependent upon God vertically in our relationship. And we are 100% dependent on the body of Christ. Or should I say interdependent. We need each other. So Jeff, with their $15 million problem, he said to me, he said, David, I was so angry. Why didn't he call? He said, I had to go and fly to New York and meet with the president of the bank. And I had to trade one of my Deutsche Bank notes for their bank note so they didn't get foreclosed on. So I had to buy the bank note behind the scenes. And then I had to work out payment plans for them to pay off the bank note that they didn't know that I owned. He said, and I had to spend a more expensive bank note because they knew they could have foreclosed in that moment and made $10 million. He says, they don't know today what it cost me behind the scenes to bail them out because they did not properly recognize the other people within the body of Christ. Do you know there can be people with gifts of healing in the body of Christ? You can walk by them, not recognize the gifts within them. They can say, can I pray for you? Oh no. Thank you anyway. I've had my priest pray for me. Or I have my elder at my congregation has prayed for me. And they die and go on to be with the Lord. Properly recognize. Scripture says many are sick and have fallen asleep. Not properly recognizing the body of Christ. The multifaceted, multi-gifted, multi-empowered, perfect body of Christ. Perfect through the eyes of Christ. When somebody comes up and they have a worship gift at the piano, do you know why I love to employ or deploy gifts within the body? Because they have something I don't have. The fivefold ministry is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry till we all come unto the unity of the faith. No longer being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of men, but until we grow up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. If we're not there yet, we still need the fivefold ministry, don't we? And by the way, the fivefold ministry is not to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the believer's job. The fivefold ministry, once you go into the world and preach the gospel, and these signs follow you because you believe, because Christ in you, the hope of glory, dwells richly in you, you bring them back to the fivefold ministry to get them equipped and then deployed again. It's not the fivefold ministry's job to win people to Christ, with the exception of the evangelist. And even the evangelist's job is to equip you to go out and do the work. It's time for us to stop relying upon the pulpit to do the work of the body. Amen. It's time for the body to go into the world Amen. and preach the gospel mm -hmm. and bring them back to get equipped. Illustration, thumb. If I try to pick up the glass with just the thumb, I, I can't seem to... I could spill it. There's not stability there. But if I, with the thumb and the forefinger, I can... But I, I, could, I could drop it if somebody pulled it out. Just. But if I add another, a third finger... Oh, wait a second. We've got strength coming. I add a fourth finger. If I add the whole hand, mm -hmm. try to pull it out of my hand. Mm -hmm. 
You can't do it. You know why? There's stability when all five fingers in the hand are holding on to something. This is why we need the full fivefold ministry to equip us, to hold us in Christ. And if you're involved where there's only a one-fold ministry of the teacher or a one-fold ministry of the pastor or you've got somebody who's a prophet and they don't have these other gifts, come get a second dose at Eagle Heart Fellowship where we have all kinds of ministry gifts that come through here, whether evangelist, pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher. Why? For the equipping of the saints, which is you and me, that we might have unity in the faith, lacking nothing, but growing up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you want to know what will happen to the little issues that you can't seem to overcome? The issues become non-issues. They seem to fall off of you. And instead of talking to the Lord in prayer saying, I've got this issue and that issue and I've got this issue in a relationship and I've got this issue on a, on a besetting sin, when you start getting equipped and finding out who you really are and what you're really called to do, those things don't matter anymore because you're not looking at them anymore. They've fallen off because you're looking at your purpose and vision and calling and you've discovered your gifts you've distinguished them from other people within the body of Christ and you begin to deploy them to go out to plunder hell to populate heaven to set the captives free that's the gospel the gospel of the kingdom if I cast out demons by Beelzebub then a house divided against itself cannot stand Jesus said it doesn't make sense but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come upon you. I can't emphasize enough tonight that these signs will follow them who believe. And I have to respectfully ask, if these signs don't follow you, do you really believe? Ouch! it might be time to make a fresh commitment to Christ. Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If somebody will sit on the back row when I make an altar call where every head is bowed and every eye is closed because we don't want to embarrass anybody and you just raise a finger like you are at, you know, uh, trying to make a bid on something just nod your hat because I don't want you can talk to me afterward then you'll be eternally saved and you won't have to change anything about your life you can just add me as one of your gods along with your football team and your memorabilia yeah. that's not what Jesus said Amen. he said if any man or woman wants to follow after me. Yes. You must first love less your mother and father and sister and brother. Yes, even your own life. <clears throat> Pick up your cross and follow after me. It was not an easy beliefism. 
I don't know where we got this easy beliefism. You know, wearing the cross around your neck is a wonderful sign of Christianity. If you're wearing it in a Muslim country where they're willing to kill you because you have it on your neck. But wearing it in America is not impressive to the devil. It's culturally acceptable and those that wear it on their neck in America are bound to pornography, adultery, drugs, pharmaceutical and otherwise. They cheat in business deals. They lie. They manipulate. And they wear their cross proudly as if they're Christian. And the devil laughs. But if you've really got the gumption Go into another country where it is a crime to be a Christian and wear it proudly. You better have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You better be a hot coal. Because if not, you will meet Jesus quickly. If any man comes after me, he must love less his mother and father. That doesn't mean you don't love your mother and father doesn't mean you don't love your sister and brother. It means every time there's a decision that Jesus is asking you to make and your family wants you to make one contrary to Jesus, you have to say, I'm sorry I'm unable to do that at this time. I have somebody else who's asked me to do something. Well, but we're family. I gave birth to you. I raised you. I... I'm sorry. I'm unable to do that at this time. But after I do this, we can go to that football game afterward. Mm -hmm. But I'm unavailable tonight. <clears throat> well, where are you going? We have an all-night prayer vigil. An all-night prayer... Why would you go to an all-night prayer vigil? Because this nation is going to hell in a handbasket and we are losing our Christian beliefs in this nation as fast as the unlocked, wheel uh, unlocked wheels of time can carry her. We are a lost people in a cesspool where people in political power are getting up and making statements that are so contrary to this book and changing the gospel into a mamsy-pamsy, milquetoast message that tolerates every kind of sin and says we're still going to heaven. But what did Jesus say? But what did Jesus say? Does anybody remember a guy by the name of Jesus who died on the cross for you and for me yet will not crucify certain things? Is this too tough? You know this, what did John the Baptist say? You brood of vipers who warned you of the wrath to come. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. Okay, so here we are. Spiritual gifts. Discover. Spiritual gifts in 3D. Discover, distinguish, deploy. Romans 1.11 says, I, the Apostle Paul, long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift. At the end thereof, you might be established. Spiritual gifts come through impartation through the laying on of hands. That's one way, but not the only way that you can receive them. 
1 Timothy 4.14 says, Once you've got a gift, don't neglect, neglect the gift that's within you through the laying on the hands of the presbytery. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, Fan the flame or stir up the gift that's within you. You can get gifts and everybody in here has got a gift. In fact, everybody in here has got more than one gift. But what are you doing with your gift? Are you utilizing it? Are you distinguishing it? Are you discovering it? Are you deploying it? Or are you sitting on your blessed assurance waiting for Jesus to return? Let me tell you why people backslide. They don't know what their gifts are and they're not using their gifts. They get bored. They aren't using their gifts or they're not allowed to use them in the fellowship that they're in. Because the people in leadership don't properly recognize the gifts within them. They squelch the gifts. The person then goes and takes their singing gift that is utilized of the Lord to pierce the heavenlies, to bring heaven down to earth that the congregation might be blessed, that their hearts might be open to receive the word of God through the prophet or the preacher. And instead they're sitting on the pew. So they end up going to the world using their gift. They become a rock star, make millions of dollars, end up doing these weird videos that don't glorify Jesus, but glorify the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they end up in drug overdoses. Lesbian relationships, homosexual relationships, gang-banging shootouts. They get shot and killed. Yet they had a tremendous gift from God. Wow. Because somebody didn't properly recognize, wouldn't let them utilize in the world, says, I recognize. Matter of fact, I not only recognize, I want to monetize. Come with me. Wow. Or the person who has a gift gets offered something from the world and they leave the ministry. They sell their birthright for a bowl of porridge and they go off like Balaam for reward and they use their gift to build their own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. You'll be tested with your gifts. You know, I have a teaching and a speaking gift. I could get into the world with my gift. I could make money with my gift. I'd be a very sad person. It would cause me to backslide. Those demons would come back seven more wicked than themselves. I would bust the bottom out of hell. I'd hit so hard that when I arrived, the demons would say, Ooh, my goodness. What are you doing here? We'll scare them. Right? So I have to stay in the presence of God. I have to stay in the anointing. I have to stay connected with other believers. I have to stay accountable. Otherwise, the gold, the glory of the girls will get you. The three G's. Either that or the three P's. Power. Position. Prestige. Well, David, I saw on your business card that you have a title behind your name. Oh yes, I'm with this denomination. I'm speaking at the Ecclesiastical Convention next Friday night. You can catch me on live podcast if you're unable, but please send your donation in. Wow. How about that we might see Jesus. He will share His glory with no man. But if you'll point people to Him, His glory will descend upon you like it did on Moses. And His face shone 
with the glory of God. Yes. And the people could see it. Put a veil over your face. It's too bright for us. But the Scripture says this, Moses wist not or he knew not that the glory of God was on his face. See, when you're so caught up in God, you don't even know His glory is on you. You know why? Because when you look into a brighter light, you don't realize that the light is shining off of you because you realize where the real light is coming from. Jesus is the light of the world. And when you're focused in on Him, He will saturate you with His presence. And His presence will be displayed before the people and it will draw people to Him. But the minute you start drawing people to yourself with the gift, oh my goodness. And if you will seek Him after you get the anointing, after His presence comes upon you, in the same way you sought Him before you got it, you'll never lose it. We're leaky vessels, aren't we? How many times did you fill your car up this week? Depends on how much you drove around in the world. Amen. And there's many Christians that have been driving on empty. And they need somebody to pull up beside them and to get them a give them a refill through a word of encouragement. Through a word of wisdom. Sometimes a word of correction and love supplying every part with what it needs. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says that He gives the gifts severally. And this is spiritual gifts in 3D part 2. He gives the gifts severally. Who's He? The Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 12.7 says that the gifts are for the building up of others. <coughs> Why do you have your gift? It's not for you. It's through you. It's for them. As Zenobia Smith, the Kansas City songbird, came and sang tonight with Krista, the atmosphere changed. See, she could sit in her room and she could sing alone and it would bless the angels and it would bless her because the presence of God would come down. But when she comes in, it blesses others. If you have the gift of healing, start using it. Don't say, well, this is my gift. I'd love to help you out, but it's my gift of healing. If you have the gift of supply or giving, don't withhold it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. If you have the gift of help, help somebody out. With media or videography. Or maybe you have the helps ministry for food or encouragement. Maybe you have a mercy gift. I lack that gift. I've got this small of a measure. We often joke as evangelists, we want to get them one to Christ. And so they don't backslide. We want to get them baptized, take them out and shoot them, get them to heaven. That's a joke. Don't take that as a terrorist act. But a pastor will see an evangelist who blows in, blows up, and blows out. Right? And they'll take the person who got saved because the evangelist caught him. The pastor will then want to nurture him, clean them. And the evangelist moves on. Neither are wrong. 
They work together. Cooperation. But the pastor could look at the evangelist and say, well, that guy's awful roughshod. He didn't even care about the person after he left. He never followed up. He never took their number. He never went by their house and did a bedside visit. He never talked to them in marriage counseling. He never worked them through these issues. That's not his job primarily. His job is to catch them. Somebody else's job is to clean them. And the pastor may not win him to Christ, but if he's a smart pastor, he'll bring in another gift so that all the five-fold ministry can hold it together. We don't look down upon someone. We don't compete with someone else. We compliment. See, the world compares and competes. When I was in prison, people competed over everything. You got no money, no way, way to spend the money if you got it. You can spend like 300 bucks a month at the commissary. For like 500 a month in prison, you can live like you know a rock star. You can have people come and do your laundry and clean your room and they bring food to you. They get out of the kitchen and you know you can you got your stamp money. You know you buy stamps and everything is stamp currency. About five hundred a month, you'll live in the top five percent of the population of prison, right? On the outside, you can barely get by on a thousand a month, if that, right? And that's if you got roommates and this and that. And you're, but in prison, you're a rock star at five hundred, and you can tell everybody, oh yeah, I was a multimillionaire on the streets. Because I got 500. But other people could have had millions. They lost everything. They're living like paupers. My point is this. When you have the supply of God flowing through you, you'll live in that top percentage and people will be drawn to Christ in you because it's not about how you live. It's about who you're living for. And people will want the Jesus. They won't want the phone X watch. But here's the deal. They, they're very competitive in prison. Crips versus Bloods. Okay? They'll kill each other over some color. Carrie Shanks, we got to fight this and that. You got every group wants to compete. Everybody's trying to get their little territorial space in prison. I mean, get over it, please. It was silly. You know, and then you got the denominations of Christians. You know, there's 20,000, 50 denominations of Christians in America. And guess what? We believe 98% of the same thing, but we want to argue about the 2% we don't agree on. So what's your doctrinal statement? Well, I believe Jesus lived, he died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, three days later he raised from the dead. But what's your position on predestination? I said, I believe he lived. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. And all that believe and call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, yeah but do you believe in the five-point Calvinist tulip theory? <laughs> of total depravity, the T. The U. Unconditional surrender. The L. Limited atonement. The I. Irresistible grace. And the P. The perseverance of the saints. I said, I believe all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I believe God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. When you say that, who exactly do you mean by the world? Well, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I think anybody in the world that... Yeah, but... And then they go off into all these non-essentials of the faith to get people's focus off Jesus and on their doctrine or their dogma or their dogma pile. <laughs> that they love to stack up and have people step in and carry all over the place to release an aroma that's not the fragrance of His knowledge diffused in every place. 
The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Say this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Now there are some things that are irreducibles that we don't, we don't move away from. There are some things that are essentials of the faith. The death, the burial, resurrection of Christ, the deity of Christ, the blood of Christ. You must be born again to be saved. But mode of water baptism is not important to me. I don't care whether you're dunked, sprinkled, or dry cleaned. I'll attend. Because guess what? Water baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. You get water baptized because you are saved, not because you need to be saved. If water baptism could save you, how did the thief on the cross go to heaven? I'm not here to talk doctrinal issues. I'm here to get us on the focus of Jesus because there's things coming upon our nation and upon the world that we need to be unified over because it's Jesus that matters. We need each other right now. I don't care if you're black, white, pink, green, tall, short. I don't care your socioeconomic background. If you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister. I don't care what denomination you came from. Are you born from heaven? Amen. We can get along. Amen. You remember when 911 happened? The Catholics and the Protestants and the Baptists and the. Everybody suddenly forgot about their denomination for a week. They came together in prayer meetings in stadiums, 40, 50,000 people. And, and, and people that had doctrinal issues on whether, you know, really important stuff on whether or not Adam being the first man had a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they came together and they realized we had more in common than we had in differentiation. Persecution purifies the church. Prosperity pollutes it. We talked last week, how many people win the lottery for $230 million and say, I think I'll get saved this week. <laughs> See, when you get prosperity, and I believe that we should walk in prosperity. Why? Not so that we can drive Learjets, have Corvettes, and a house by the lake, but that we can fund the gospel. So the world that doesn't know Jesus might hear the gospel. See, the gospel is free, but it takes money to get the gospel there. It takes money to wage war on the devil. Do you know why? When people go to the world and make money by the spirit of mammon, they can't seem to fund the gospel anymore. They have every excuse in the book not to fund the gospel. You know why? They switch spirits. They're serving a different God in their money and their, moni- in their, in their monetary way of making money. They switched kingdoms. And mammon is a Babylonian spirit that says, I will give you everything that Jesus promised you if you just do it my way and bow down and worship me. And here's how you can tell. That person cannot fund the kingdom. Do you know why? The spirit of mammon won't let them. The spirit of mammon will say, you're not going to give your money to that preacher, are you? That accusatory spirit will come in. It'll manipulate And the joint that supplieth is cut off. The preacher can't go and preach the gospel in China or in Africa. And people are going to go to hell for eternity because somebody switched kingdoms and they did it some other way than God's way and they said, oh look, God is prospering me. But I'm going to tell you what, the economic crisis that came upon America in 2008 started to reveal exactly who your God was. 
Because if you were making it God's way, He'd have given you wisdom. But somehow we slipped out of the spirit of God and we slipped into the spirit of mammon. Mm -hmm. A Babylonian spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you something else. You think that all that credit you had was God's way? Read the Bible. That's not the way it's done. I'm not saying you shouldn't get credit on certain things when God speaks. But you don't go out and get 125% loans betting that it will continue to go up. I have one friend who is $11 million upside down right now. $11 million. You couldn't tell it if you talked to them. They're still living in a million dollar house. They're still living, driving Mercedes Benz. They still dress nice. They still have season tickets to everything. But behind the scenes, they're broken. They're fearful. They're weeping before the Lord. What happened? And they loved. They love to do good things. But something happened. They started operating in the spirit of mammon instead of the spirit of God. There's a great economic shift coming to the body of Christ. The money of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. It's about to shift. The question is when it comes into your hands, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy yourself stuff? Exalt yourself? Your kingdom? Or are you going to fund the gospel? Are you going to... I can tell you what you're going to do with it. I can look in your checkbook today and tell you exactly what you're going to do when you get it. Because your checkbook doesn't lie. The gifts of the Spirit are multifaceted. They're not for you. They're through you. To others. God wants us to discover what our gifts are. Here's the gifts of the Spirit series. You can discover your gifts and find out what they are. Why is it that the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, would say, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then we don't study them. Why is it Hosea says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge? And then we don't study them. Do you want to know what made Jesus powerful on the earth? It's the same thing that made the apostles powerful on the earth. They knew Him and the power of His resurrection. They had the gifts of the Spirit in operation. The same people that turned the world upside down have come here too, it said in Acts 17.6. If you're not turning the world upside down wherever you go, it's time. Stop being a thermostat. Come in and taking the temperature in the room. Well, it's 82 in here. Awful hot. It's 71. Awful cold. Don't be a thermometer. Did I say thermometer or thermostat? Yeah. Don't be a thermometer coming in and taking the temperature. Be a thermostat and come in and change the temperature. And if you're not a temperature changer, your coal's not hot enough. And you need to get back together with the body of Christ. You need to get back together with Jesus in the Bible and get out of that stuff on the internet. And what is that? Whatever is keeping you out of the Bible. Satan will either keep you from this book or this book will keep you from Satan and his wiles. 
Ask the Lord for a hunger and a thirst after righteousness and He'll give it to you and He'll start to purge you. You know, if you've got the gift of tongues, pray in it until all that stuff comes out of your head. You know, the first 15 minutes you pray in tongues is the most difficult 15 minutes you'll ever pray in tongues each time. After that, it gets easy. When our sister came up and began to sing, her gift wasn't warmed up yet. I called her in cold. Now, on the second when we minister together of November, at the Global Day of Prayer, your gift will be hot. Right? And we're going to flow together. You don't even know we're going to be together, did you? Okay. We're going to be together in a ministry situation at the Global Day of Prayer, I heard. Taking Dr. Sarita Wright's position. She's asked me to come in on the Global Day of Prayer and handle unity of the nations. She and I will flow together as a psalmist and a preacher or a prophet and we're going to move into the heavenlies and things are going to change in the atmosphere. She won't come in cold. When she came in tonight, she was cold, but she heated up quick, didn't she? The oil started to come. You know, when you heat up your car, you turn on your car, sometimes you hear some squeaking in the engine. I've got this, you know, fairly new car. I got like 12,000 miles on it when I got it. It runs like a champ. But when you turn it on, by the time I get it to the place, to tell them it's got the, it's silent. For a year and a half, I've looked like a liar. I've decided I'm going to record it. I've got evidence that it does it. It takes a little while for you to warm up in your gift. Fan the flame on your gift. Stir up the gift that's within you. If you've got that baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, make it a mandate to get off Facebook until you prayed in tongues for a minimum of 15 minutes. And then when you get on Facebook, you're going to find that your desires change for the faces in the book. You're going to not get in the chat room with the people and have the same answer with worldly wisdom they've got. You're going to come in with the kingdom of God and the fireworks are going to begin to happen. And all of a sudden, your coal is going to heat up some of their coals and some of them are going to turn on you like a viper. And you're going to say, unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. Right now they're friending you and you're getting swept away and then you have to come to the pastor and say, oh, I'm thinking this way. Get off the social media site without the anointing. Amen. I love you, but I'm tired of casting things off of you that never should have been on you. Jesus. Pray in tongues, you won't have those doctrinal issues on non-issues on the faith. Because they won't matter. You'll see Jesus. And people will see Jesus in you. And the gifts of God will release through you. And I'm going to tell you something. A man with an experience is never at the hands of a man with just a doctrine. Saul of Tarsus had every doctrinal issue in the world without killing, murdering Christians in the name of God until he had an experience, an encounter on the road to Damascus with a man named Jesus in his resurrected state. And he got up off the road to Damascus three days later after he was blinded by the light and Ananias was sent to lay hands on him and he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the scales fell from his eyes. And immediately, he went into the synagogue to preach the gospel. Every doctrinal argument disappeared with one encounter with Jesus. Stop arguing 
doctrinal debates with people that the only ones you win, you lose the next day. You haven't won anybody to Christ with those doctrinal issues. You win them to Christ with the power of God. For the kingdom of not God is not in word, but in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5 says, And when I came to you, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Wait a second. This is the guy who memorized the Pentateuch by age 7? In weakness, in fear, and much trembling? The guy who said, I counted all that I'd attained as dung for the excellency which I obtained in Christ. You mean all that education, all that position, all that prominence, all that power, all that prestige? You were a Roman citizen. You were circumcised on the eighth day. You studied under Gamaliel. And that means nothing to you? I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Can you say that? Are you more impressed with your degrees or your accomplishments than you are about meeting Jesus? How's your fishing? How is your fishing? Have you caught one for Christ lately? Nothing else really matters then. Well, I went to this place and I got equipped with more fishing equipment and I've learned that I've got this lure and that lure and I've got this book and I've read that. Who have you caught for the gospel? How's your fishing? When you start landing them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they come into the boat of salvation, you don't have to worry about sin. You're too busy helping a new one. We need more responsibility in the body of Christ. It is your responsibility. Not the preacher's. Seven days a week we're to feed on the Word of God. They went out and gathered manna themselves, six. And on the seventh day, they had a double portion that was provided for them, right? They tried to obtain a double portion any one of the other six days. What happened to it? It became worms overnight, right? Six days you gather your own manna in the Word of God. Study to show yourselves approved a workman that need not be ashamed, but rightly divide the Word of Truth. And on the seventh day, come in and get fed. Somebody else will provide for you. Don't expect the preacher to do for you one day a week what you're unwilling to do for yourself the other six. Be a hot coal. Stir up the gift that's within you. Then you'll be able to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you'll be fearless. Closing. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Greek word witnesses is the word martus. It means you'll be willing to die for my name. It means you'll be willing to wear that cross into a Muslim country and not be afraid. Instead of, as Madonna says, it's sexy to have a naked man on a stick. Interesting. When the world that writhes on stage in a way that is not biblically sound or glorifying God can wear the cross around her neck and we can wear it and sadly we bought the CDs and watched the videos 
There needs to be a distinction between the precious and the vile. And I'm not against Madonna. I'm giving an illustration. I'm against sin. I'm against compromise. And erecting the standard of this back in the earth. With all due respect, marriage is between one man and one woman. I apologize to anyone who thinks it means anything else in here. But I will not apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if you crucify me. Because I have one to answer to. I must love less my mother and my father and my sister and my brother and even my political affiliation when it comes to Jesus Christ. And that's on video. And it's on audio. Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the homosexual. Jesus loves the homosexual, but he hates the homosexuality. I love the fornicator. Jesus loves the fornicator, but he hates the fornication. I love the liar. Jesus loves the liar, but he hates the lying. I love the adulterer. Jesus loves the adulterer, but he hates the adultery. I love the drug dealer. Jesus loves the drug dealer, but he hates the drug dealing. Amen. Every sin that's mentioned, Jesus loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Amen. We accept the people, but we reject the sin. I love the person who's in doctrinal error. Jesus loves the person who's in doctrinal error, but he hates the doctrinal error and he wants to separate them. Do you see the difference? I'm not against anybody. I'm for Jesus. And I'm for people that want Jesus. I love everyone. Do you? Let us close. Go ahead and turn that on if you want. You know, sometimes we run out of video footage. I think you have to hit the button on the right top. We, we're live again. Amen. Has this been helpful tonight? Nobody's fallen asleep tonight. Nobody's condemned tonight. But we are convicted, aren't we? We're convicted that we've got to make some changes. When Joseph in the Old Testament took a stand, he took a stand in Egypt... And God promoted him from the prison house as a convicted rapist under Potiphar, who was chief of the executioners, and promoted him into the palace as prime minister. Just that quick, positions are going to change for those who have served the Lord faithfully. And God's going to vindicate people that are not guilty, that have been labeled, and He's going to... He's going to He's going to promote people that were guilty. I was guilty. He's going to promote people out of the pit, out of the prison, and put them in the palace as prime minister under an evil king, worshiping a false god. And he's going to have the wisdom and the gifts of God to interpret dreams and visions 
He's going to understand how to discover his gifts in that situation. He's going to distinguish his gifts from other people, how to operate and cooperate with them, and he's going to deploy those gifts and help other people deploy them. And then he's going to be used by God. She's going to be used by God or utilized. God doesn't really use people. Somebody used your daughter, you wouldn't be happy about it, would you? But God utilizes people. See the difference? Utilizes people to win the lost at Jesus' cost. We're going to have the wealth of the wicked that's stored up for the righteous so we can meet the needs of people when that happens. Are you ready for the shift? It's time to put off some things that we might put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us stand. Spiritual gifts in 3D. Part 2. Discover, distinguish, deploy. Last week, we handed out a spiritual gift survey. 125 questions. It's probably on our website. I think it's under davidherobedian.com forward slash gift survey. Probably gives us a link to where it's at. I'm having my web developer put it on. And when you take that survey, how many people took that survey last week? Some read it, took it. Did you discover you had gifts? I saw somebody post on their Facebook. I had no idea I had these gifts. Now they're excited because they've got gifts. Now they've got a reason to live. They've got a reason to serve Jesus. They know what they're called to. Number one reason why people backslide is they don't know their calling. 100 people polled in a congregation. 100 people. Only 10% of them knew what their gifts were. And out of those, only 2 out of the 10 were operating in their gifts they were deployed. The body of Christ in America, only 2% are operating in deployment in their gifts. If your body was only operating at 2%, it would be on life support in the hospital. You want to know why other religions and other people and the world is not interested in your Christianity? It doesn't have enough life. If it did, they'd be drawn to it. I don't have any problem in the marketplace. People ask me questions behind the scenes all the time. They want what I've got. And if you'll release Jesus, they'll want what you've got. You don't have to be religious about it. Just walk in the power and the presence. And they'll want what you've got. They'll reach out to touch the hem of your garment. They'll get into your shadow like Peter just to get near Jesus. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Lord, we want more knowledge of you. We are tired of being destroyed from lack of knowledge. We repent for being ignorant regarding your word as it relates to spiritual gifts. We say, Lord Jesus, have your way in our lives. In our lives. Fill us with every gift that you desire to give the world through us. We will be carriers and vessels of honor fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. 
We're like Isaiah when you said, Whom will I send? We say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Fill me. Cleanse me with fire. Fill me. Put your word in my mouth. And send me to those that are hurting and in need of a Savior in a lying, dying, crying, destitute world of a perishing humanity that they might know you like Saul did on the road to Damascus and all their gifts that you gave them might be shifted 180 degrees and suddenly they might go from killing Christians with their mouth to preaching the gospel that others might be saved. I declare and decree everyone under the sound of my voice right now. I declare an activation of the gifts. I declare the spirit of revelation and knowledge. I declare that the eyes of your understanding might be opened. That you might know him and the power of his resurrection. That you might walk circumspectly, prepared unto every good work. That you might walk in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I declare a triple conviction of the Holy Spirit. The things on your computer and your text messages and the websites you've been to. I declare a change today in your desires that it might be focused on Christ that the fire of God might fill you and burn everything off I declare lethargy broken I declare the power of the persuasion of the world broken off of you that you might be fully convinced by the power of the Holy Spirit I call you up higher in the Holy Ghost. I call you into your position. I call you out and I call you in to your place that you're called in Christ Jesus that every joint might be supplied. I declare hospitality gifts, prophetic gifts, teaching gifts, giving gifts, administrative gifts, singing and musical gifts. I call them forth that they would no longer be hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I declare ministry opportunities, divine appointments. I declare the deployment and ministry of angels in your life. I declare and release dreams and visions. I declare angels visiting. I declare the manifestation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in your dreams, in your bedroom. That you wake up and you see Him and you are changed. That you've had a radical encounter with the Messiah. I declare and release it now. I declare new armor in the belt of truth upon you in Jesus' mighty name. And those in agreement said, Amen. This has been another powerful teaching by David Harabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidharabedian.com.